What is prayer? How do you define prayer? I think if we were to ask that uh, just amongst the world, we'd get a ton of different answers because Christians, we're not the only ones who pray. People all over the world pray, and for different people, prayer means different things. I read a definition of, of prayer uh, by Michael A. Eaton, who's author of uh, the Branch Exposition of the Bible, Volume 1. Um, he's a, a friend of a friend, uh, the Herbert family, Craig and Taryn Herbert, who we help support. They're planting a church in Queens, New York. Um, these are family friends of theirs and of uh, Marcus and Adele. Um, here's how Michael describes prayer. He says this, prayer is being in conscious fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, talking to him as a friend who is king of the universe, approaching the Father through him. And I love that. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, um, that's where we'll be for the majority of this message. Um, we're going to see that Paul spent a lot of time doing this type of prayer. We should spend a good amount of time doing this type of prayer. Um, there's good prayer and there's bad prayer. Have you ever prayed a manipulative prayer? I think we all have. I, I, I mean, if we're honest, we all have. Lord Jesus, Kara just doesn't understand. But Lord, help her to see things the way they really are and that I need that new Mustang or whatever. Or more likely, Lord, uh, just I, I, I pray that, you know, so-and-so would, you know, Lord, just be with so-and-so. Lord, um, uh, help them as they stop being so stubborn and as they stop being so mean and whatever. I mean, it's there's all different types. Um, when we come to the Lord in prayer or in conversation, there has to be an earnestness to our heart that, yeah, we can be transparent, we can be vulnerable, and we can be messy. That comes with it. We can come to the Lord just as we are. We don't have to use proper words with the Lord. We can just, it can be in fragments, and we can just call out to him with vulnerability. But there has to be an acknowledging of who it is that we are talking to. That he is Lord. He is King. Now, he is also Father and, and Spirit and Comforter. And so today we're going to talk about, we're going to read through a prayer that's in Colossians chapter 1. And I want to encourage us to do something. I'm, we've got, I've got a mission in mind with this prayer and here's that mission. I'm hoping that we will begin praying this prayer and these type of prayers over ourselves. Now, it's wonderful we can pray it over others. Paul does this. Paul prays this over others. But as I was reading through this, I'm like, why, why shouldn't we pray this over ourselves and be strengthened in him? If you're like me, there's times that when we pray, you know, I'm good for about like five minutes. And after that, I'm like, man, I... I thought there was more to pray for, but I guess not. I guess that's it. To have sometimes a written out prayer or to open up scripture and say, I can always pray scripture, it's just a powerful thing. So um, my hope is that we'll pray this prayer that Paul prayed over the Colossian church. Let's read Colossians 1. I'm going to read 9 through 14, and then I'll just kind of chip away at it. Colossians 1, 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, 
asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and all understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's a, that, isn't that amazing? I, I love that. But there is so much there. And what we're talking about, okay, I mean, because I'm, I'm certain as, even as I'm reading that, some of y'all are like, yeah, I should be praying that over myself. Yeah, I should be praying. It's an amazing prayer. I love it because there's such logic in, in, these, in these prayer requests. I mean, this makes perfect sense to me. I see the immediate need in this. I see how I need this every day. I see how the people I care about need this every day. Number one, first we pray for spiritual knowledge. Then we pray for our, uh, our, our being enabled to apply what we know and to live this out in a practical manner. Third, we're to know that we are uh, very weak in doing this, that we're going to face opposition. So we pray for a strength that's not our own. We pray for a spiritual strength. Fourth, we know that the life is full of hardships and tribulations, so we pray for endurance and that we walk in that endurance with a baffling joy. And then five, we are to go even higher than that. For it's not just endurance that we need. There needs to be a rejoicing and a thanksgiving even in the midst of the hardships of life. And that synopsis I did, that's basically encapsulating what I just read. The prayer that I'm hoping that we will model should include asking God to firmly establish a spiritual knowledge in our lives. So let's go through this one verse at a time. Verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of what? Of his will. With the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So what does, what does Paul mean by God's will? How good are we are praying and meaning we want God's will? I think in praying for God's will, there's two sides to it. There's God's side, and then there's the human side. On God's will, uh, on the God side of that, it means the entire plan of salvation. The entire plan of salvation. The, the, the Greek word for salvation is the word sozo, which means saved, healed, delivered, set free. That's, that's the salvation that Jesus has bought for us with his life, with his blood. 
healing, salvation, deliverance, freedom. Chains are off. Bondage is gone. We walk in freedom and wholeness. We can always pray that knowing that we are praying God's will. We can always pray that someone would experience freedom and be set free, be delivered, and know that that is the way he's praying God's will. On the human side, God's will means the realization of what this salvation means to us and what is truly important in life. That's the part I struggle with. What is truly important in life. Because we just, our priorities, they're so easy to just stack wrong. What's really important? We're we're good with the bigger things, usually. We're good with with family, with, with spouse, with children. After that, it's just tough. Our our priorities can be all over the place, not with ill intent, just we struggle with it. So when we're praying for God's will, we are praying, Lord, let me understand what matters most, what you say matters most. Paul makes this a matter of regular prayer. The apostolic ministry that Paul walks in, he, he preaches. You know, we see the preaching. We see the letters. You know, we hear, yeah, okay, he preaches. But prayer is a huge part of his ministry. And prayer should be a huge part of our ministry, just uh, to the Lord and, and b- alone with ourselves, to our family, to our marriages, to our coworkers, to everything. Paul prays that this knowledge will occur with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Spiritual wisdom is this. It's the skill of putting what we know from God into practical use. What what we receive from the Lord, what we know from the Lord, putting that into daily living. I think that comes just through the dialogue with the Lord. That comes through surrender to the Lord. That comes through just constantly having that that humble heart that says, Lord, I, I, I don't know. I, I, need your, I need your input on this. I need your take on this. Spiritual understanding is understanding given to us by the Holy Spirit concerning the things of God. I think it's amazing that if we don't understand something in Scripture, we can just ask the Holy Spirit. Hey, I, I, don't, I don't understand this. What does this mean? Holy Spirit, I don't understand this. Would you guide me? Would you, would you teach me? Would you remind me? It's a powerful thing. But most of the time we don't do that. What do we do? What do we do? Google. And like the first 15 things it pulls up are wrong. Like it, what it, Wikipedia? Just skip it. It goes to the Holy Spirit instead. Our prayer should focus on the kind of life that God wants us to live. Paul continues saying this. The purpose of our praying is that you will, verse 10, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing 
in the knowledge of God. Walking worthily. It's as simple as this. We, we live a life that matches what we believe. We, we walk out a life that matches what we say we believe, what we believe. When we believe something, we have to act accordingly. Do you need examples of this? If I believe that there is a poisonous snake in my house, my actions are going to be very specific. My intentionality is going to be ridiculously specific. And I'm going to, if I believe that, my actions are going to support the fact that I believe that. As Christians, as followers of God, we seek to please God, right? Unfortunately, it's possible for a Christian to not please God. Because we make mistakes, because we're flawed, because we, we err, because we miss the mark. Sin is an archer's term. And sometimes we, we don't just miss the mark, we miss the, the, bull, the, the board entirely. And this requires prayer. This requires us seeking the Lord, humbling ourselves, and asking for help, asking for strength, asking for wisdom, for understanding. Paul prayed that his friends would have spiritual knowledge that led them to walk worthy of their salvation. No doubt he prayed the same things for himself. No doubt he prayed this for, for everyone that, that he was in contact with. And no doubt this is something that we should be praying for ourselves. Paul wanted them to be fruitful. He wanted them to be productive and doing good in God's work. He wanted them to grow in the knowledge of God, to, to see new facets of his goodness, to be able to rave about God, saying, I saw something about him that I didn't see before, and I need to let you know about it because it's so cool. It's so awesome. He prayed for strength. We are to pray for supernatural strength, a strength that goes beyond us, a strength that doesn't grow weary, a strength that, that would never relinquish hope, a strength beyond us. Because I grow weary, I relinquish hope. There's times I, I lose focus, and, and that's because my strength is limited. Your strength is limited. So here Paul is, is praying for a supernatural strength that never loses hope that never loses focus, that is always strong enough. God promises us special strength as we look for it and pray for it. You ever find something in the refrigerator or in the pantry that you bought and you just set aside and it was going to be awesome, you were going to enjoy it, it was going to be delicious, and you just completely forgot about it? And by the time you get back to it, it's expired. I feel like we do that sometimes with these things with the Lord. We put it on the shelf, and then we're like, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. I'm totally going to use this. This is so going to benefit me. And then we leave it there, and we forget to access the goodness of God in our lives. Verse 11. Being strengthened with all power. 
That blows my mind. Jesus brings them with all power according to his glorious might. One of the secrets of the Christian life is to know about God's willingness to give us strength. His, he, his desire to give us strength if we'll ask for it. It doesn't matter if you think that, that he should give us strength even without us asking for it. Because your ways are so ridiculously flawed. My ways are so flawed. His way is, I will give you all the strength you need, but I want you to come to me and ask for this strength, and I'll give it to you, because I want you to know it's me, and, and not just the energy drinks you drank, or the cool friendships that you have, or this, that you turned you know, the corner in this rough season. He wants us to know that it is him. Endurance and patient joy in troubles. How many of you guys crush the patient joy in the midst of troubles. I mean, like you own it. You crush it. That is your groove. But this is what Paul prays. May you be made strong so that you have all endurance and patience. This is verse 11 and 12. With joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. It's one thing to endure trials. It's one thing to endure troubles. It's going even further to endure them with joy and with a patient rejoicing. And this is what Paul prays for. This is what Paul prays for his friends. But I'm telling you guys, this, this is something we should be praying for ourselves. Not just biding our time, not just waiting for this to pass. But recognizing the hardship, recognizing the difficulty, and, and the fact that you're, we're feeling weak and we have a need for endurance, and then rejoicing because our God is big, and he is mighty, and he's strong, and he's amazing, and he's faithful. And so we can get joyful about that. We are to be thankful. Paul prays that his friends in Colossae might be strong, giving thanks to the Lord. As we read in this, this scripture, in this passage, we see what Paul thinks spiritual maturity looks like. And, and he listed, I, I'm, I made a slide. Feel free to break out your phone to take a picture of it. Because this is just me encapsulating what Paul has already recognized. This is what Paul thinks spiritual maturity looks like. These are his descriptions. Number one, prayerfulness. Two, spiritual wisdom. Three, consistency. Four, strength. Five, endurance. And six, thankfulness. This is what he, just leave this slide up. This is what he thinks is spiritual maturity. On your own, on your own, just with the wonderful assets that you have, how are you doing on this?
good on some, not so good on others, mostly bad. And this is why Paul is praying this. And this is why I believe we're to, to find scriptures like this and pray this over ourselves so that we can start walking in a maturity that is beyond us. We can start walking in things that are bigger than us, but the problem is we're super forgetful. We forget how good God is, and we have to be reminded. We forget what the Word of God says, and we have to be reminded. And the Holy Spirit's great at that. He reminds us. But then we go, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to do that. And then all of a sudden, there's another distraction, and we forget again. And it was 30 seconds earlier, and we just forgot. The last part of verse 12 sets out a new thought. And it gives us special reasons for being thankful to God. We are thankful because God is the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Paul has been telling the Colossians how he prays for them and what he specifically asks for them. His prayer is also a hint to how he thinks they should live. The words of Paul are also a hint to us of how we should live. And it's not that we're to live better or that we're to live stronger or that we're to live wiser. It's we are to live more dependent on God. It is with this desire to walk in spiritual maturity that our purpose today is to begin praying in these powerful ways for ourselves. Um, I, I love what they say. I mean, sometimes it's pretty funny when you get on a plane and, and you know, different airlines are, are funnier than others. Like Southwest is pretty funny. They can just, I think they're given a whole lot of rope. Like, just don't be inappropriate and just say funny stuff. And so when they're doing the pre-flight, everything, you know, sometimes they're pretty funny. Um, but I always pay special attention that says, hey, if these oxygen masks fall from the ceiling. If, if they happen, in the event that that happens, moms, put it on yourself first. Fight every urge you have to put it on your husband first. No, to put it on your child first. Fight every urge to put it on your child first. Put it on first. Men, put it on first. Don't help someone else first. Put it on first. Then, help someone get theirs on. In, in reading through this, this is what this is. This is, do you want to be healthy and whole to be able to, to tend to people that are important to you? Then, then pray for yourself. Pray these amazing things for yourself. And then start praying them over the people in your life. How many of you guys say, I just crush praying for myself? Awesome at it. Anyone needs help, send them to me. I'm the king or queen of praying for myself. Most people aren't. That's just not what we do. We'll ask for stuff, but that is totally different than what I'm talking about, right? That's totally different. Requests, petitions. This, this is living. This is life abundant that God wants for us. Now, at the end of verse 12, Paul mentions what the goal and purpose of their spiritual knowledge is. 
He prays for these things for them because he knows what their final destiny is. He knows exactly where God wants them. And he wants them to reach their destiny. And he says this in verse 12. The Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You've given your life to Christ. You've trusted your life in Christ. You've believed in Christ alone. Wonderful. You're saved. And now you get to share in the inheritance. And I'm telling you guys right now, we have to contend for our inheritance because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and he wants to take, he can't take our salvation. I'm not talking about that. Nowhere in the word of God does it talk about sonship being stolen. We are adopted. We are grafted into, into the family of God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about inheritance. Anything the enemy can steal, he wants to steal. And he can steal joy. And he can steal peace. And he can steal hope. He can steal these things if we let our guard down, if we take our eyes off of Christ. He can. And those things are part of our inheritance. The inheritance of walking in the light, of sharing this, this wonderful light with the saints. One way of approaching this verse is to ask the question, what is the purpose of life? What is the purpose of life? For many people, their aim is happiness or wealth or success. Maybe their ambitions are wrapped up in, in family or kids or work or goals or marriage. Maybe the purpose of life, it's, it's wrapped up in being famous or well-known or infamous, maybe. But are any of these things good enough or great enough be the purpose of our life, to be the aim of our life. If that thing was removed from our life, does that mean that the purpose of our life was then just removed? And that's exactly what it means. When we make something the purpose of our life, and that thing, going back to the first thing I said about knowing God's will, when we make something the purpose of our life, and it's not what God says, then it can be taken, and we're left what? wrecked, alone. Others might say the goal of life is to be saved, and that's a phenomenal starting point. Being saved is a starting point. That's great. But Ephesians 2.8 tells us uh, that we shall come to our initial salvation without works, right? So Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own, own doing, it is the gift of God. And Romans 4, 5 says this, And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So we're saved. We've trusted our life in Christ. And we've done nothing for it, right? We've done nothing for it, right? So doing nothing cannot be the purpose of your life. It's what God wants you to do the minute you've trusted your life in him. 
you're saved, then we find purpose. Your foundational salvation can come to you right now within a few seconds. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved. Boom, you are saved. And it's at that point that the purpose of life begins. So what's the purpose of life? What does Paul say about it? He says this, to attain to a share in the inheritance of the saints in light. It is to lay hold of the good works that were, bef- that were orda- ordained before we should even walk in them. That's what Ephesians 2.10 says. And I'll say this. Now, I don't know that there's like a solid answer, but I'll tell you what. My purpose is to live my life to the point that at the end of my life, I hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. To have lived my life in Christ Jesus, in obedience to him, in service to my king, This comes from the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. And regardless of the share that we are given to say, you were faithful with what I gave you. Well done, good and faithful servant. You guys realize not everyone's going to hear that. All we got to do is look at the parable that Jesus told. Not everyone in that parable heard those words. Paul's prayer is a hint to the Colossians that they should seek spiritual understanding and strength to apply what they know following these hints that he lays out in his prayer. Like them, like the church at Colossae, we should pursue the great purpose of life so that we can share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And I'll close us with this last scripture. Paul goes on to say exactly what it was that qualified him to go after their inheritance. Verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, our our inheritance is to walk in the light. And to do so, he has delivered us from the domain, the kingdom of darkness. What enables us to go after our inheritance is that a radical transfer has already taken place in our lives, moving us out of one kingdom and moving us immovably into another unshakable kingdom. We were under the authority of darkness and it was gloomy and it was depressing and it was dark. And even when we were excited with whatever pleasures of worldly living was there, it didn't satisfy and it was still darkness and we knew it. We were in spiritual blindness. And it was a kingdom where sin ruled over us. And religious law condemned us. Death was our destiny. Satan effortlessly held us captive. 
We were dead in our sins, but not anymore. But not anymore. When we believed in Jesus Christ, we became citizens of a new kingdom. And it's the exact opposite of everything that we were in before. Instead of being ruled by sin, we were enslaved willingly and happily by righteousness. I'm now a a slave to the goodness of God. I'm a bond servant to Christ Jesus. Willingly serving the king. Where else would I go? Why would I leave this house? Freedom, this is freedom. I'm a bond servant of the king. Instead of being dead, we became alive to God. We died to sin. We died to law. We came alive to the mighty leadings of the Holy Spirit. Best of all, we came into contact with a person. We found out that we were in the kingdom of God's beloved Son, Jesus. We stopped seeing God the Father as some Zeus-like icon that was unrelatable, and we started seeing the Father through the lens of the completed work of Jesus Christ, that we can be in His presence at any time we want because of the work of Jesus. And our Father is good and only good. And the Holy Spirit, it's not an it, but a person, and He's here with us, guiding us, strengthening us, comforting us, doing amazing things. experiencing someone who reigns over us. Jesus. And his reign is good and his reign is perfect. It's not a rule of harshness or condemnation. It's a reign of graciousness. It's a reign of love. This kingdom is the kingdom of God's love for his son. God the Father loves Jesus so much. When we're taken up into this kingdom, God's love for Jesus becomes ours because we are in Christ Jesus. God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. It's remarkable. things I'm, I'm talking about now, they're spiritual truth. They're, they're, they're formed through, through the impartation of spiritual wisdom from God to us. And that he wants us to have spiritual understanding where we claim these as truth and that we share them because that's what you do with light. You drive out the darkness. And it's very important to recognize exactly how this kingdom transfer has happened. Paul doesn't say that someone is trying to get into a new kingdom. They're trying awfully hard. God bless them. He doesn't say that one day we will get a new kingdom. Paul says he has transferred us. It has happened. It has been done. It is a fact. We're in the kingdom of light. We're in the kingdom of God. When we trusted in Jesus, that transfer has taken place. So I'm telling you right now, if the enemy 
not if. I think the enemy has lied to some folks. And, and he's skewed our view where that we don't see that we are living in the light and all we see is darkness and heaviness and oppression and those things are lies and those things are intruders and those things are foreign to us now and we have authority to speak against them and to proclaim the authority of Jesus Christ and to be free. Jesus. We desire to grow. We desire to gain spiritual maturity. We want to grow. That's You tell us that, that you want to see us grow into the fullness of you. So Lord, I, we just ask you to help us with our unbelief, to help us with the immaturity problem that we have to help us with our faith. Lord, grow us. Lord, we trust you. Lord, teach us. We're listening. Lord, open our eyes. Lord, we want to see you. We want to hear you. We want to know you. Give us understanding. There's so many things when we open up your word or when we just walk out life that we don't understand. And Lord, we want your understanding. Your understanding. What you think on the matter and what you think we should do. Lord, we need your strength. Our strength fades so quickly, Lord. We need your strength. We're desperate for your strength. We ask you for your strength. Lord, we thank you for your endurance, Lord. We thank you that, that you give us the ability to go further than we think we can. But Lord, we also need to do so with joy. We need to do so, Lord, with, with patience, understanding that it's not the, the destination that you care about, it's the journey that we're walking with it with you. And you care about that journey, that walk. So Lord, let us have endurance with, with patient joy, with a rejoicing heart. And Lord, let us be people and sons and daughters of thanks constantly giving you thanks because you are good. Because our sight is set on you. That you're always faithful. That you will carry us through. That you've got unimagined joys for us. Because you're good and only good. In Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians 1, 12 through 19. Anybody have a smartphone? Anybody have a smartphone? I have a smartphone. Go to your Bible app, copy that, paste it into a note, and, and set an, an alert to read that note every morning. And just pray that over yourself every morning. And at some point, you'll get to the point where you'll pray it over others. But don't worry about that for now. Man, just pray for yourself. Put on this oxygen mask, and then you can put one on for someone else later, okay? But be strengthened by the love of God. If you need prayer today, we'd love to pray for you. So just come on up after the service and we'll pray for you. Our God is faithful and he loves you and he wants to just show you his goodness. He wants to, he wants to show off, if you will, and show you just how much he loves you. Love you guys.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have an amazing day, friends. If you need prayer, come on up. Um, enjoy the day. Enjoy next week, but not here. And then we'll see you guys on Sunday after. God bless you.